how to have the talk with your parents about money. What do you think I was talking about? Welcome to Common Sense on the Prairie, a podcast dedicated to helping you demystify the sometimes complex topic of money. I'm Adam Cox, head of wealth management for the First National Bank in Sioux Falls. We're a community bank based out of South Dakota. In this podcast, we share expert insights from around the country and stories from our local community to arm you with the tools you need to make better financial decisions. Because the truth is, the more we talk about this stuff, the better off we're all going to be. Today, I'm joined by a special guest, Cameron Huddleston. Cameron is the author of Mom and Dad, We Need to Talk, How to Have Essential Conversations with Your Parents About Their Finances. She is an award-winning personal finance journalist whose work has appeared in Kiplinger's Personal Finance, Forbes.com, MSN, Yahoo Finance, and many more online and print publications. She was a caregiver for 12 years for her mom, who had Alzheimer's disease, and currently is the Director of Education and Content at Careful, the first service firm built to organize and protect aging adults' daily finances. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Cameron Huddleston. All right, Cameron, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to this conversation. So uh, you wrote this fantastic book about an area of personal finance that doesn't get talked about nearly enough, and that's talking to our parents about their money. So walk us through your background and what inspired you to write the book, Mom and Dad, We Need to Talk. I have been a personal finance journalist for 20 years, but what really prompted me to write the book was my own experience with both my mother and my father. My And I'll start with my dad. My father died at the age of 61 mm. without a will, mm. and he was in a second marriage. And the kicker is that he was an attorney, so <laughs> he should have known better, right? <laughs> classic, classic. Classic, classic. Cobblers and shoes, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. And so then in... Uh, a few years later, when my mom turned 65, and I was only 35 at the time, she was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease. Mm-hmm. And I had not had detailed conversations with her about her finances. And so I had to scramble and I had to play detective. And I realized that a lot of people were probably in the same boat that I was, that people were waiting until that emergency to have these conversations that they should have been having while their parents were still relatively young and healthy. And so that's what prompted me to write my book, Mom and Dad, We Need to Talk, to help people realize they need to have these conversations sooner rather than later, and to guide them through having these conversations, what to ask, what sort of information to gather, what to do if your parents are resistant to having these conversations and even how to talk to your siblings. So that's yep. that's the story. Perfect. Well, uh, you nailed it because I, I love the book. And, um, you know, having been in this business as long as I have, you know, there's it's tough to have conversations with our families about money. And, um, and, and there's so many things that are left unsaid usually. So let's start here. What assumptions do we typically make about our parents' finances? It a couple different assumptions. We might assume that our parents have their acts together and they've done everything they're supposed to do. They've saved enough for retirement. 
They have all of those estate planning documents in place. I mean, this is what I assume with my father. He was an attorney. Of course he has a will. <laughs> Why should I ever bother to ask them if he has one? Or, or we might realize that our parents are not on top of things. So maybe we assume that they're going to need help as they age. Or, you know, we might just assume it's none of our business. We shouldn't even be thinking or asking about our parents' finances. Sure. Well, so talking to our parents' finances can be a really tough conversation to have, and we'll, and we'll get into why that is. But um, so it's a really easy conversation to, to put off, and, and nobody wants to do it. And, and if you don't take my word for it, you had this spot in the book that was, that was fantastic. I'll, I'll read this off here. So a survey by personal finance website, Go Banking Rates, found that 10% of Americans are more comfortable talking about their romantic life with their parents than their parents' finances. And 9% said they'd rather talk to their parents about their parents' romantic life than talking to them about their finances. That's ridiculous and gross and all the things. So why do you think there's such an aversion to having this conversation? It is crazy, isn't yeah. it? Who, oh my gosh. Who, would ra- who wants to talk to their parents about their parents' love lives? Yeah. <laughs> their sex lives. It's, yes. it's mind-blowing. But the thing is... Money is such a taboo topic. And oftentimes we think that's more personal than people's intimate details. And that blows my mind. I think in large part because I am a personal finance journalist and because that's what I do. I write about money. I think about money all of the time. But I grew up in one of those families where money wasn't discussed. In fact, my father would often say, don't talk about money. Don't ask people how much money they make. Don't ask people how much things cost. My mom wasn't so weird about money. She didn't really have an issue talking about it, but it wasn't something that we really discussed openly. So if you are raised in a family where money is a taboo topic, of course, it's going to seem off limits. And so I I understand why people are so afraid of this conversation and why they think, ooh, yuck, I don't want to talk to my parents about their finances. They're going to get mad at me or they're going to tell me it's none of my business. And so it is is crazy that some people think that 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 sex conversation is easier. But in in my opinion, talking about money is a lot easier than those other conversations that really, those are, those conversations are none of your business. Yes, (laughs) I agree. (laughs) So Cameron, why do you think it's so important to, to have this conversation? I think it's important for a variety of reasons. The, The biggest is that you will likely have to get involved with your parents finances at some point. You might have to get involved while they're still alive if they haven't planned for retirement and they don't have enough saved and they're going to need support from you. You might have to get involved if there's a health issue or cognitive decline. You might have to get involved after one parent dies and the surviving parent needs help managing finances. And you're going to have to get involved when your parents die. If if there are no other children and you're named executor of the estate, you're going to have to deal with what's left behind. Or even if you're, even if there is no will and you're not named executor, someone has to step up and take charge. And so you will be getting involved with your parents' finances at some point, like it or not. And it's better to get the information you need before that point comes. 
I agree. Um, so I think a lot of people assume when it comes to talking to their parents about money that, or, or their estate plan or anything related to that topic, that that's really only something that wealthy people do, right? That they talk about the trusts that are set up and the charitable foundations and all the sophisticated things that we do. Regular people don't have those conversations. I'm guessing you would agree with me that it's, it's actually the opposite, that it's more important for children of parents who maybe haven't saved a ton for retirement or maybe are at risk of outliving their money. It's more important for those folks to have these conversations because they may be called upon to act or to help bridge a gap and they have no idea. Is that fair? It, you are exactly right. If your parents are not wealthy, if they don't have their financial act together, it's even more important for you to have these conversations because you're right. Your parents are more likely going to need support from you as they age. It might be financial support, or again, it might be caregiving support. And this can greatly impact your own finances. And so you need to know as soon as possible what sort of expectations your parents have for you. Now, your parents are probably going to say, oh, I don't want to be a burden on you. Mm. I don't expect you to help me out. But most of us are not going to leave our parents out to dry. <laughs> and right. so we we want to help them because they took care of us. And and you need to have these conversations to find out, okay, where where do you stand financially? What If you need care, what sort of care do you want? Are you expecting me to provide that care for you? The sooner you can find this out, the sooner you can start making adjustments to your own finances to be prepared for the possibility that you might have to provide support for your parents. And I think one of the challenges here is a lot of our parents grew up at a time where you didn't talk about money in the household and personal finance was, well, it was personal and you just didn't talk about it. But I think the interesting thing is, even if they're not talking to us about it, chances are, and you alluded to this, that they're going to be counting on us to help them at some point. And uh, a study by Fidelity Investments backs this up. They found that 69% of parents expect one of their children to help manage their finances in retirement more than one third of the children who are expected to fill this role didn't know this. So given that, isn't that even more important that we have these conversations early so we can manage expectations? Certainly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if your parents are counting on you to help them as they age in some form or fashion, you don't want to be cut off guard when that time comes. Surprise, kids, yeah, right. guess what? Yes. I was counting on you to take care of me. And you're thinking, wait, what? Why, why didn't you ever tell me this? Oh, because I just assumed yeah. that you would be willing to help me out. I'm your mom. <laughs> <laughs> but the, you're right. I mean, most people aren't going to necessarily let their kids know. They just assume that their kids are going to be willing to help. And as you know, young adults, midlife adults, we're so busy going about our own lives. We're not thinking necessarily about what our parents' needs will be because we're thinking about our own financial issues and our kids, if we have kids. And so, you know, if you don't have this conversation and that emergency crops up, you are really caught off guard and you're not going to have a plan to deal with the situation. And the bigger issue is you might not have the legal right 
to get involved with your parents' finances. And that's where the big problems really arise. The joys of being in the sandwich generation, right? Exactly. So let's talk about this conversation uh, a little bit. Um, You know, one question I found from your book or a point that I found from your book that I thought was really interesting is, I wonder what's worse to most people. Is it the actual conversation with our parents or is it the fear of how that conversation is going to go or how our parents are going to respond to our questions? For most people, it's the latter. They Mm -hmm. get so worked up in their head about the prospect of having this conversation. They're going through all the negative scenarios, the worst case scenarios, but most people will actually find that when they have these conversations, that their parents are going to be open to having these conversations. Of course, there will be parents who are reluctant. There will be some parents who are resistant, no matter how hard you try. But the majority of parents are going to be willing to share some information. And I'm not just saying this because this is my opinion. I talked to a lot of financial advisors for my book. I have talked to a lot of financial advisors since I've written my book. And I've talked to a lot of older adults who've reached out to me after they heard about my book or saw my book. And they've said to me, you know, I want to have these conversations with my kids, (laughs) but my kids don't necessarily want to have the conversations with me. How do I get through to them? And so your parents are probably a lot more willing to have this conversation than you think. You've just got to stop telling yourself, this is going to be awful. This is just going to go so badly. And my parents are never going to talk to me again if I even bring up the topic. Sure. What are some of the biggest fears that you've observed children having about having this conversation? So some children are afraid that their parents are going to think that they're being nosy. Mm. They're going to think that they're being greedy, asking them about their wills or their trusts. They're worried that their parents, like I said earlier, might get really mad at them for broaching the topic. But the truth is that if you approach these conversations from a place of love and respect, most likely your parents are not going to think that you're being nosy or greedy and they're not going to be mad. They're not going to blow up and send you off to your room. You're an adult. <laughs> That's not going to happen. Yeah. They're, they're probably going to keep talking to you. They might, they might be a little bit angry for a while if they feel this is an off top, you know, an off limits topic, but most parents are going to get past that and they're going to come around. But uh, I, I think that um, again, don't let your fears of having these conversations prevent you from talking to your parents because truly, and, and I've said this many times in the past, as awkward as these conversations might seem, the consequences of not having them are so much worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So because we don't want to have this conversation, it's real easy to put off. But You say that's one of the worst things we could do. Why is that? So you're not going to have a plan for dealing with that emergency. And often it's not until an emergency that we realize we need information about our parents' finances. Mom has had a stroke. She's in the hospital. We've got to make sure her bills are getting paid, but we have no idea what bills she has and how she pays those bills. If we had had a conversation, 
we might know that mom is still writing checks and that now someone has to be able to sign those checks for her. We might know that mom is okay with the idea of being in a nursing home, but we think that mom never wants to be in one. So we're going to try to figure out a way to keep her in her home, even though the home is not equipped to support her in her current condition. And the bigger issue is that we might not have the legal right to take action with our parents' finances or to make medical decisions for them. And this gets down to estate planning, that thing that only rich people do, right? But it's not. Every adult needs to name a financial power of attorney to make financial decisions for them if they can't. Every adult needs to have a healthcare power of attorney. It's also called a healthcare proxy or a healthcare surrogate, someone who can make medical decisions for them. You need a living will that spells out what sort of end of life medical treatment you do or do not want. Do you want to be on life support? You need to find out if your parents have these documents, who they've named as their power of attorney, who they've named as their healthcare proxy. If it's you, then you need to know, okay, what are your medical wishes? I need some details about your finances so I can help manage them if something happens to you. If these documents have not been drafted and signed while your parents are still mentally competent, then you're going to have to go to court to petition to become your parents' conservator or guardian. And this is an absolutely terrible process most of the time. It can cost thousands and thousands of dollars. You're essentially putting your parent on trial to prove that your parent is no longer competent. You're hiring an attorney. You're hiring an attorney for your parent. You've got to get doctors to come in and testify. You have to go through background checks to see if you are qualified to be your parent's conservator. It takes many, many months. And then from that point on, if you are named conservator, you have to file an annual report with the court detailing how you manage your parents' finances. If you have a named power of attorney, that's it. You're good to go. You take that document to the bank and you let the bank know, my mom is no longer able to manage her finances on her own. She's been diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease. She has named me her power of attorney. Here's the document. I need to start managing her finances for her. I need access to the bank account. You reach out to the credit card companies. You reach out to the insurance provider. Honestly, it's as simple as that. You don't have to file an annual report with a court. You just have a responsibility to manage your parents' finances in their best interest. If your mom ends up in the hospital, the doctors will talk to you because you've already been named healthcare power of attorney. And they're going to ask you, does your parent have a living will? Why, yes, she does. Here it all is. And so when that emergency crops up, Everything is already in place. You're not scrambling. You're not playing detective to figure out what sort of assets and accounts your parents have. It's it's so much easier because in an emergency, the last thing anyone wants to think about is finances. So if everything is already in place and there's a plan, that stressful situation is going to be a little bit easier to manage because things are in place. Wow, that's awesome advice. So. There's no one-size-fits-all to approach in this conversation with our parents. Um, and you had mentioned emergencies. So you'd also in your book mentioned that times of crisis, emergencies, or even family gatherings are some of the worst times to initiate these conversations. I, I found that funny. I'm thinking of like a 4th of July party, like, hey, mom, let's talk about your spending. 
So <laughs> tell me more about that. Why are, <laughs> what's a good time and a bad time to start this conversation? So as I just mentioned, emergencies are a bad time because yeah. people don't want to think about finances at that time and you're going to be scrambling. But of course, most of us don't think to have these conversations until there is an emergency. For those of us who are the planning type and we realize we need to have these conversations, we might think, well, family gatherings are a great time because all of my siblings will be there. We'll all be there together. This is the perfect time to have these conversations. But family gatherings are for family. They're, it's not a time to put your parents on the spot by asking them about their finances. Plus, there can be people there who don't need to be part of the conversation. And if there's any drinking, you know, it's Thanksgiving and everyone's had a couple glasses of wine and you think, oh, we're all relaxed. This is the perfect time. No, (laughs) if someone's had too much to drink, that conversation is going to go downhill really fast. And so if those family gatherings are the only times you all come together, I would suggest instead, you know, maybe while you're preparing the meal, you just sort of drop a few hints. Hey, I'd love to have a conversation at some point. Let's find a time when we can sit down or hop on the phone and start talking. Don't press your parents to have these conversations during the middle of the meal. Yeah, that's great. And there's never any drama when family gets together either. So uh, yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) So if someone's listening to this and they're, they're hearing you and you've inspired them, they're ready to go to have this conversation, but they're not sure quite how to bring it up. Do you have any tried and tested uh, ideas of how to start this conversation? I do. I have several. I am going to, I'm going to suggest a few. I actually have 10 different conversation starters in my book. If you are young and you are just starting out, a really easy way to start these conversations that helps you avoid that role reversal is to ask your parents for advice about mm. your finances. Go to mom and or dad and say, hey, I just started a new job. Should I be participating in the workplace retirement plan? Or I just got married. Does that mean that I need a will? Does that mean that I need life insurance now? Your parents' responses are going to give you clues about what sort of planning they've done. So let's say you ask about the will. Hey, I I just got married. Do I need a will? Your parents might say, well, you know, I, we've never bothered to do that. And then you might say something like, well, I I happened to read an article about how it's important for everyone to have a will, because if you don't have a will, state law is going to determine who gets what. Maybe it would be a good idea if us for all for all of us to set up an appointment with an attorney. We can all go together and then you're going to know what, you know, is in my will and you know, I'll make sure that you have one and I know where it is. And so that's one way to start these conversations naturally. If you are in midlife, you likely have a story. Someone you know who's already been involved with their parents' finances in one way or the other. Maybe it's a friend whose father died and didn't have a will, and it was a nightmare. And so you can share that story. Or maybe you have a colleague who has is having to take off a lot of time from work to care from care for a parent with dementia. You can use those stories either as cautionary tales or, hey, here's someone who did it right. Maybe we should be making some plans to deal with this situation if it happens to our family. You can also use current events. I mean, mm. we're, we've, we're, we're still in a pandemic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you can say, you know, hey, you know, I know, I know things are a lot better, but 
I've been thinking a lot about what if something were to happen? What if you, what if you ended up in the hospital? How would I pay your bills? What do I need to know about that? I had a friend who did this and it was so simple. She just simply said to her mom, if something happened to you and I needed, needed to pay your bills for you, what would that look like? What do I need to know? And her mom said, you know, I never even thought about that. Thanks so much for asking. Yeah. And she she you know, she went and and typed up an email to her daughter listing all of her bills and how she paid them. And then that led to other conversations. I would caution you though, you don't want to approach these conversations in any sort of condescending tone. You sure. know, mom and dad, I see that you're starting to have trouble staying on top of your finances. I've noticed that you're forgetting things or I notice that you keep being taken advantage of by scammers. That's only going to put them on the defensive. Again, you want to approach these conversations from a place of love. You want to let your parents know that you're looking out for their best interest and that you want to be able to help them if they ever need help. But in order to do that, you're going to need some information. And I would also say if your parents are reluctant, tell them, you don't need to tell me this information, just put it in writing. Make a list of your accounts, make a list of your usernames and passwords, make a list of all your insurance policies, make a list of any debts that you owe, what assets do you have, what sort of investments do you have. Tell me where I can find this list and under what circumstances I can access it. Then you know the information is there when you need it, but it lets your parents retain control. And this is what a lot of it comes down to control. Parents don't want to give up this control. None of us do. (laughs) None of us like the idea of someone else having to step in and take control of our finances or our care. Yeah. Well, and something again, you talked about in the book that I found interesting too, is if, if you have siblings, our parents maybe have already had this conversation with one of our other siblings and, and that sibling is the person who's going to be called upon to act. It just reminded me of that joke. If you don't think your family has a black sheep, it's you. Um, So (laughs) maybe you're not the person that's going to be having these conversations. You can try, but your parents might say, you know, we've we've already taken care of it. And and that's fine too. So you can check the box and you can feel good that your parents have taken care of it. And and maybe that's not going to be your role to play. I would say though, that this is why you should talk to your siblings before Mm -hmm. you even talk to your parents call a family meeting and say, hey guys, I really want to talk about mom and dad. They're getting older. We need to have a conversation with them about their finances. And you might have a sibling who said, oh yeah, I've already had that conversation. And then you say, great, maybe you could share a little information with the rest of us. You know, What sort of plans do mom and dad have? I'm glad that you're going to be the one who's going to have to manage their finances. It's one less thing I yeah, have to right. worry about. Yes. But if, if no one has had that conversation, then you want to decide, okay, Who's going to have the conversation? Is it one of us or all of us? When do we want to have it? And you also want to discuss with your siblings what role each of you is willing to play in your parents' lives as they age. Maybe you live closest, so you know you're going to be the one who has to drive them to their doctor's appointments. But maybe you're not so good with financial matters, but your big sister is, and she's the one who's going to be willing to step into that role of power of attorney. Maybe you hate the idea of having to make important medical decisions. So your younger brother is a doctor and he's like, yeah, I'll do that. And so if you can get on the same page with your siblings and map out a plan, then talk to your parents. It's a really good idea. Approaches everything, I think, with this conversation. And I'm going to read you a passage from the book 
that I thought was really great as we think about how to approach this conversation with our parents. Um, and, And you said, no matter how much more you might know than mom and dad do about financial matters or how right you think you are about what is best for them, you have to remember that they are still the parents and you are still the child. You have to respect those roles if you want to have a productive conversation with them. Tell me a little bit more about that. So we might be seeing our parents making mistakes. We might know that our parents did not do a good job of preparing for retirement. And we feel like it's our job to have these conversations so that we can set them on the right path. But if your parents are still mentally competent, it is not our job at all to tell them what to do with their finances. They're making mistakes. It's on them. Now, that doesn't mean that you necessarily have to just sit back and watch them, you know, blow all their money. You can certainly have conversations with them, but you don't want to be condescending. You don't want to be accusatory. You want to simply say, you know, again, hey, mom and dad, if you ever need any help, I want to be able to help you, but I'm going to need some information. I don't need to know down to the exact cent that you have in your bank account. But if you could just give me an idea of what your retirement looks like or how's retirement going for you. And they might say, you know, gosh, we're barely scraping by on social security alone. And then, you know, depending on what they say, that opens the door to more conversations. You might want to make a suggestion. Well, you know, I know that you're still paying the mortgage and I know that you took out loans to help pay for my college education. Have you ever considered meeting with a credit counselor? There are free credit counselors out there who can help you create a plan, offer a suggestion, you know, maybe even something that you've done. I found that this was really helpful for me to plan for retirement. I used one of those retirement calculators and helped me realize that I wasn't saving enough for retirement. That sort of thing. Offer suggestions, offer help, offer support. Don't be critical. Now, if you have a parent who has already been diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease or any form of dementia and that parent is living alone, you have to get involved. You cannot wait because if there is already memory loss, that means there are already money mistakes happening. And so you have to, you really have to start getting involved and finding a way to get into your parents' financial life so that your parent does not give away all that money or get taken advantage of by scammers. Um, Of course you want to, you don't want to force your way in. You want to, (laughs) you don't want to do that again, but your parent is no longer mentally capable of managing daily finances, no longer mentally capable of making smart, informed financial decisions. And so there has to be involvement there. Awesome. This information is so good. Uh, and I can't recommend your book uh, any more highly. It's just, if you are in this position where your parents are starting to age, you don't know what that looks like. You're not sure what to do next. You think you should play a part in this somehow. I highly, highly suggest people check out your book. Um, I thought it was fantastic. There's great resources in there as well. But before I let you go, so in addition to be 
an author of this fantastic book. You're also director of education and content at a firm called Careful. Can you tell us a little bit more about the firm and, and what you do there? Yes. So Careful is a digital platform that was built to help protect aging adults' daily finances. You can link your bank account, your credit account. Soon you'll be able to link your investment accounts and Careful will monitor those accounts 24-7 for signs of fraud, such as unusual transactions, and also common money mistakes, such as missed payments, late payments, duplicate payments, changes of spending. And Hmm. what's really wonderful about the service is that if you are an older adult, you can sign up for yourself. You can add trusted contacts. Family members, perhaps that son you've named as your power of attorney, that daughter you've named as your healthcare power of attorney, and you can give them view-only access to your accounts. They're going to get alerts too. And I'm that might seem like you are giving up your independence, that you're allowing them to see what's going on behind the scenes, to see something that's none of their business. But it's so important to set up that social safety net before there are any issues. Letting your trusted family members see what's normal for you will allow them to spot those changes in behavior and know when they should start getting involved. Now, if you're a caregiver already for a parent, you can use the service to set up monitoring for their their accounts. And so you're going to get alerts. For example, if mom has purchased a gift card, we know that scammers often will tell people to buy gift cards. And so you can get on the phone and say, hey, mom, I just happened to see that you bought a gift card. Was that as a gift for someone? Or did you get one of those calls telling you that you needed to pay with a gift card? And so it helps you keep tabs on your parents' finances if you are caring for that parent. There's also credit monitoring, identity monitoring. We're soon going to be launching a vault so you can store all of your important financial and legal documents. You can store passwords. And so again, it makes it easier if you have children who are going to be involved with your finances to have access to that information when they need it. And we're actually partnering with some banks who are providing this service to their older customers free of charge. Perfect. Well, we'll put some information in the show notes and uh, I think we'll leave it there. Cameron, this was an awesome conversation. Thank you so much for being on the show and uh, I hope we can do this again. Thank you so much for having me. All right, take care. I hope you found this helpful. If you did, please subscribe and share with your family or friends. If you have a topic you want us to cover in future episodes, send us a note through our website. And if you're at the point where you want an expert opinion on your finances, reach out and we'd be happy to start a conversation. And remember, any comments, insights, or strategies discussed on this podcast are intended to be general in nature and therefore may not be suitable for you and your situation, whatever that may be. Before acting on anything we discuss, Please consult with your attorney, CPA, and or your financial advisor.